We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Sports Jake and Joe edition, which will take place every Tuesday up until the actual NFL playoffs. Obviously, during the season, we'll break down the top waiver wire pickups each week. And while we wait the start of the season, we've been analyzing a lot of different things over the fantasy sports sphere. Today's topic will be uh, a lot of the news and analysis that's occurred over the past couple of days from training camp, as well as a few different tips and tricks for your auction leagues out there. So stick around, make sure you get to the end of the show. We'll also hear from the two-time Stake League winner uh, and his tips and tricks, which we all know is the most important league at the Rotoir HQ. All right, welcome to the Tuesday, August 2nd edition of the World NFL Podcast brought to you by Dynasty Owner. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. And here alongside me, as always, is Jake Latarski. You can follow him at Roto Jake. I'm getting used to this new setup, Jake. Obviously, we, we had yeah. a little bit of a snafu last week. So this is mm-hmm. really our first rendezvous in this whole thing. This is great. I'm, I'm, I'm looking I, forward I, to I it. know you're joking around. You say alongside me is Jake Latarski, but Literally. I actually, we haven't been next to each other in the same room doing this for over a year, but Hey, 30, 40, 50 grand later into our media room. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. It's nice to see everybody. And uh, hopefully, you know, the chemistry can keep going here. I can only imagine it'll get better when we're we're actually here to talk some junk back and forth to each other in the same room. It, so It has to. All the uh, Culver's board bets mean so much more now mm-hmm. I can see your face in person. Yes, yeah, so you can bang the table and slam the walls. And I'm glad everything didn't just shut off when I did that. But, uh, <laughs> yes. no, we're ready to go. This is going to be fun today, Joe. All right. Before we get started, again, we're talking news and notes over the last two days for training camp as well as some auction league strategies. Before we do all that, though, we do have to give our shout to our sponsors, Dynasty Owner. Do you love fantasy sports? Are you ready for a new challenge this year? Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an actual NFL franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You'll have to com- you'll have complete control over your team's future. You can build through the draft, make trades, sign free agents, and manage your team's salary cap. Can you create a uh, dynasty of champions? Sign up now at dynastyowner.com and use promo code ROTO5. That's R-O-T-O-5 to receive $5 off your new team. You are listening to right now the uh, dynasty owner champion of the expert leagues. I can personally vouch for this platform, although I've had to uh, trade off my entire team because Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup are probably going to get too expensive. I've loved the format and I have been successful. And I can guarantee you that if you're listening to this podcast, you'll have a few tips and tricks for me that can help you out in that platform too. Mm-hmm. So, hey, hey, I'm the two-time runner-up in our Dynasty Staff League, I think. Yeah, but you're I, I, I won and Henry. You should, I, you should have already won this. Yeah, yeah. Three years ago, we drafted. I took Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry, and guess what? You know, here we're back. I, I think I, I've won once and have been runner-up twice, and intend to win this year as well. Yeah, you have a, a pretty stacked team, which we're, we're not going to advertise for that because you, you, that's that's next week's podcast, the Dynasty <laughs> and Keeper League conversation. We'll do a little Keeper League next week? All right, that's yeah, fun. Yeah. I mean, later on in the show when we do auctions, we can kind of uh, address the whole concept of inflation when it comes to Keeper Leagues, and uh, that's an interesting one. I think it's one of the best ways to play Keeper Leagues, in my opinion. But uh, we got a lot of news and notes to go over here uh, from, the, from, the, from, from dating all the way back to the weekend. I know Nick and Jeff, uh, they previewed uh, a couple of AFC divisions yesterday did a great job there of course uh you know in previewing uh the the afc north they had to talk about deshaun watson a little bit right because there's there's really no way around that so i mean we have to kind of start with that that's that's the headliner here and uh you know without getting too much in uh roger goodell and the nfl's random punishment generator wheel here um how you know you compare 
various you know weed and gambling suspensions to this which was you know way more of a of a, of a, uh, a serious uh type of situation here and uh the, the suspensions just aren't adding up and also by the way I don't buy the uh, the thing that the argument that says, oh, he was suspended all last year. No, he wasn't. Right, Dude got no. paid. He sat out and he got paid. So we can't even talk about that. But, you know, from that standpoint, that's all I'll say on it. And we kind of have to think and shift to where do we rank Deshaun Watson in quarterbacks this year now. And it's funny, you know, different people have their certain level of morality that they want with fantasy. Um, and, uh, you know, I, we had a guy uh, that worked for us uh, a few years back that wouldn't touch Adrian Peterson after the the switch incident and there's stuff like that. And, um, I mean, personally for me, I, I just want to win money and I, and I don't care that much. But, uh, you know, th- that is something that a lot of fantasy managers will uh, have to look at here. So, we have to have the conversation about where the heck we rank a guy like Deshaun Watson. And, that, and that's very interesting because if you look at his NFFC ADP over the last uh, three days here, because, uh, you know, you're taking that into, into account, yeah. he's he, he's at QB 19. And right now, you know, Rotowire, uh, you know, if you take our projections and whatnot, we have him at QB 18, um, you know, again, based on what, 11 games he gets this season here. Um I don't think that I'm going to pay any type of price for Watson. I'll, what I'll do is I'll wait for the person who drafts him with one of their late picks to get stuck in a tough waiver wire week mm. or an injury week early, drop him. And if I only have to waste a bench spot on him for a couple weeks instead of six weeks, that's when I'll think about it. Maybe. Um, but, you know, we're going to have to see how that goes. I personally don't think there's a spot for him in the draft in, a, you know, a standard 12 team league. Yeah. In reality, this is a super flex conversation. Right. But Deshaun Watson, that's going to be available for 11 mm-hmm. games is a guy that you're going to have to account for from a roster perspective, like you mentioned, and actually navigate. Like if you're you if you're taking Deshaun Watson in your redraft leagues and your snake leagues, something like that, you are accounting for a roster spot that much like an Alexander Madison or uh, not, mm-hmm. not necessarily Tony Pollard, but you get like those running backs that are only going to play if the starter gets hurt. It's kind of that scenario with the roster spot. I uh, I am frustrated by the NFL's decision. I have been on numerous different platforms discussing the morality aspect of it, like you mentioned, and uh, Watson will be right up there for me where I'm just not going to have my team. Uh, and I'm actually a little more agnostic. I, I think the NFL may be seeing all the backlash that occurred yesterday could make the suspension longer, but this is absolutely mm-hmm. the, the route that they wanted. They wanted somebody else to put the blame on for Watson and suspension, and I, I just don't see them. They have mm-hmm. a, a, they have an they, out. They, 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 they have, left they, the they, door open, right? They said they're reviewing the decision of oh, the sure. judge yeah. who made the thing. They left the door open if they want to, but I don't know. Realistically, I mean, who knows what could be happening as we're doing this live right now. But, uh, <laughs> I do have Twitter pulled up just in <laughs> oh, case. You do? Yeah, no, I've got Tweet Tech off to the side here as well. You know, still getting used to the new setup here and whatnot. So trying to look at the camera. But, um, you know, so that, so that could always change here. But uh, reality, like, I, I kind of agree with you. The NFL wanted six games they wanted someone else to blame it on and they're just going to give it a week or two to blow over. I and... actually think the the more important conversation is what do you do with Amari Cooper? I have been on Sirius XM Friday talking with Mario. Mm-hmm. I, I have this whole theory that I want good wide receivers on bad teams. So DK Metcalf and Drake London are my two flagships for this case. I, I haven't been able to justify taking Amari Cooper at his current ADP. And that's one of those conversations where now that we know for certain or thereabouts, Watson is going to be able to play the season and play a majority of the games. Does Amari Cooper become more valuable in your mind? And uh, man, I still have, I still have reservations about him in, in the fifth or sixth round, but there is more of a confirmation that, Hey, this, this is what the reality will be for Amari Cooper situation. And that might make him more, more fancy viable in my mind. I'm still not going there. It's, there's, there's the cold weather factor. Uh, there's still a run oriented offense, even with the mm-hmm. much improved quarterback play one Watson will be out there. I'm still not going with Amari Cooper in the fifth or sixth round. That's the more imperative question for me. Yeah, I mean, there's a price for me for everybody, and I think I'd take him, you know, maybe at cost in the sixth round. I I could live with that depending on what the earlier structure of my wide receivers look like a little bit. People forget with Amari Cooper, you know, he's been around the league, uh, you know, for a while, and – but he's just 28 years old. He came in pretty young. So he's on the right side of 30, right. theoretically entering his athletic prime. Of course, he's had his fair share of injury issues. And of course, we, you know, in, in discussing the latest camp news today, we have to discuss that, you know, he's got an ankle injury. He's not practicing today. You know, he's you don't like to see that. Time, right? You don't like to see that in the very first week of training camp that's happening here. Um, but, you know, uh, th- that happens. And, you know, the, the whole the whole team has, has had 
you know, from a wide receiver standpoint, some in- injury issues. But, uh, you know, I agree with you in a sense that it's a run first team. There's a chance David Njoku could maybe finally reach some of that potential we've always been talking about and eat into the red zone targets. But you're looking at Amari Cooper and then Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I always th- – I mean, I think he could have a good statistic year, but I always thought of him as more of a gadget guy, oh, sure. you know, from yeah. back from back to his Michigan days, you know, than a true – wide receiver one or David Bell question or even wide receiver two yeah Yeah, what are we going to get out of David Bell you know uh I I guess we'll wait and see in his rookie season of course he's on the pup list Mm -hmm. already dealing with a foot injury so it's a banged up crew and um I think you know if everyone's healthy into week seven when Watson is making his debut I think that bodes pretty well for Amari Cooper and and uh I'll you know I'll take what you can get with him out of Jacoby Brissett and hope things can improve in the back half of the season um, so I'll take I'll take a sixth round price on Amari Cooper. I'd be okay with that, especially I mean three wide receiver leagues are starting to become you know the, the common right now, right? Yeah. You don't really see too many leagues with two wide receivers unless they're loading up flex spots there. So you know three wide receiver leagues becoming more prevalent, uh, and, and and he's never been a huge PPR guy really. But I, I like the sixth round pick. Fifth round, I'd be looking around. I mean his ADP right now is sixty eight, so looking like a sixth round pick here, but. Um, I don't know if I get a shot, if I get a shot at a guy like Elijah Moore who has such crazy upside. I mean, yeah. Elijah Moore's ADP is just three spots higher than Amari Cooper, so that's the decision I have to make. I have to go with the upside pick instead of the theoretical floor pick in Cooper, which could which could always tank, you know, based on quarterback play. I mean, Chris Godwin is sixty two. I don't know if I where's love Michael that. Thomas in that. That's My, where's Michael Thomas in yeah. that? Guy? Yeah, it's a good transition because we do want to talk about Michael Thomas. He's all the way down at seventy eight. So if you're in the sixth round, you know, he uh, Thomas is a guy that if you're doing late drafts that if we recommend i presume if he's out there in camp and, and getting along I, I presume that his uh his stock could rise a little bit here so I'll, but... I'll interject because he came off the pup list i think it was i think it was friday or at least there's conversations i was going to he looks great in camp like have you have you seen the clips thus far of michael thomas running mm-hmm. around and it's, it's i try to purposely avoid watching good. this selected individually right. selected the Saints sl- putting this clips. out there right that, yeah that, oh yeah that part. too you know it's the saints that are putting these clips of michael thomas but he, he was a guy entering the season that I wanted no part of. And really, for the last two years, I have wanted zero part of Michael Thomas. It's worked out great. But he looks fluid. He looks great after the catch. Obviously, the hands were never an issue with Drew Brees. And, and while I don't think Michael Thomas will be the Michael Thomas of two years ago with Sean Payton and Drew Brees as your quarterback, it's not like Jameis Winston's that bad. And I don't see this offense mm-hmm. dramatically changing things. If anyone, there's going to be Camara that I, I believe is going to be different from an offensive perspective mm-hmm. from two years ago. So if you're over saying, under six games for Camara, because that becomes an interesting fact right. too. How many Camara targets could Michael Thomas eat if, uh, so, you know, so if so we miss we six the, games for Camara? You know, we, we can guess, but Goodell's going to spin a wheel, right? And, and the outcome is going to be six, eight, ten. Who the heck actually knows? Yeah, I think the Camara situation is the one that comes next after Deshaun Watson had his more or less result. Mm-hmm. I, I only bring up Michael Thomas. He looks good in camp. I, I feel watching those clips, and you're right, maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe I have different opinions. But watching what he's been able to do right now, I have a little remorse that I don't have enough Michael Thomas shares or any. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be something I try to correct if you're talking about his ADP in the seventh or eighth round. I would take mm-hmm. I would take Michael Thomas right now over Amari Cooper. And yeah. that's, that's not something I would have said two weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have to go ahead and uh... – you know, deposit again and join some more best balls on underdog, you know, just so I, so yes. I can get a little bit, but, but, but yeah, it's interesting. Cause we talked about, you know, Cooper in the sixth round and, and would you take Michael Thomas over him? I think as we get a couple weeks from now and as Thomas practices more and stays healthy, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to wait that extra round for Thomas right. anymore. I could see that ADP creeping into the sixth round a little bit. So I guess that's the one slight advantage of early drafts is getting your opportunity to uh, to buy lower on these guys. Yeah, that's what everyone says. Uh, Najee Harris exited practice yesterday, right? He hasn't practiced today with a foot injury. out. It uh, Coach Tomlin said that his foot was stepped on. Okay, great. There's no reason to really rush back their bell cow in this mm-hmm. situation if it really is indeed uh, – just a minor aggravation on. to step on anything that's yeah. not like that's not painful, but like, okay, great. Mm-hmm. It's hey, different from even turning his ankle, right? Because if you turn your ankle, that's something that could bother you a little bit. This, you just, you know, you got a bruise, you sit down, right? Yeah. Harris is going at back into the first round, uh, early second round right now in terms of his ADP. That can vary on different sites. I was lower on Harris last year because I just didn't think he was that good of a player. Obviously, the the amount of touches he had, whether it was carrying the ball or catching it from uh, limp-armed Ben Roethlisberger, really catapulted him up to the top five. Are you drafting him with the assumption that volume that he had last year is guaranteed to occur this year? Yeah, so I can't really um, 
I can't really say that uh, he'll have the same type of volume here. That's the biggest concern, right? Because Ben Roethlisberger was the king of checkdowns here, and I know this is this take's been rehashed over and over again. There's no way they might want to they might want to curb his workload a little bit, mm-hmm. which you know I could see that being a legitimate concern here. You don't want to run this guy completely into the ground, and of course, you know it's and. You know, he, Jeff and Nick were talking about this yesterday. It's not like Mitch Trubisky is the guy who you think of when it comes to deep ball throws, who's currently you know sitting at first uh, with the first with teamers Kenny in Pickett camp. Really struggling Kenny, right now. Yeah, too. Kenny Pickett hasn't looked the greatest in camp. So uh, you know, all those people that thought it might be Trubisky to start the year, I uh, know you know maybe there'd be some checkdowns, but I got to imagine that you know Trubisky. Well, <laughs> I mean, you compare him to late stage Big Ben. You know how close how close are you there, really? But uh, I have to imagine the volume will come down. A little bit and um I don't know this obviously this foot ankle news whatever you want to call it doesn't really change uh what you know how your outlook it shouldn't change your outlook on Najee Harris now the interesting thing is the NFFC has him at uh seven overall uh if you look at the last two weeks if you isolate the last two weeks he's going seven overall so you got Jonathan Taylor McCaffrey just to recap here and the uh and then Cup Jefferson Eckler Chase and then comes Najee Harris I, in my personal rankings, I have Delvin Cook ranked above Najee Harris, and I have Derrick Henry ranked above Najee Harris. And I think I teased it last week a little bit how much I love Derrick Henry. I took Derrick Henry fifth overall in a full PPR league. Um, I The fact that even though he wasn't effective, that he was able to come back for the playoffs last year. Um, and, of course, they're going to set him out the preseason because why would they play him in a preseason game? Sure. Uh, it just has a bounce-back year. He was well on his way to his second consecutive 2,000-yard season. So, um, Harris, I like fine. Um, you know, I don't hate I don't hate his fantasy outlook necessarily, but I just don't think I'm going to have a lot of shares of him because when given the choice between Cook or Harris, Henry or Harris, Jamar Chase, Eckler, Jefferson Cup, you know, McCaffrey Taylor, obviously. I'm taking all of those guys over Harris. So I guess that puts me, um, you know, that puts Harris at number 10 uh, or number nine in my overall ranking. So then I have to make the decision okay, Harris or Devontae Adams, Harris or Swift, Harris or Mixon. Harris or Mixon is where it gets really, really tough for me when I'm making a selection. But I think I lean Harris, but the gap's narrower for me than it is for most. I've I've won. One Harrison, one Mixon in one of those spots. One of yeah. those spots. Now, I've been doing. Hey, hey, if you can get them both at the turn and not have to, and have your two running backs filled, I'm totally oh, cool I with meant, that like, strategy. In different leagues, I've went one with Harrison, one with Mixon. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Delvin Cook over both of them. That's, yeah, that's yeah, how definitely. It's out I think me. by the time draft season comes around, Delvin Cook will be taken in the top three of most drafts. Again, I'm using top the NFFs. Three? No, De- Delvin Cook. No. Oh, Delvin Cook over McCaffrey, right? No. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen by the end of drafts. I think mm-hmm. Delvin Cook is a top seven pick will be more or less guaranteed. But okay. with those wide receivers like Cooper Cup, Chase, and Jefferson, each one of them is going to be uh, going within the top four. So there's no way yeah. Cook I, is going over. The- I think as we move to some more, actually, I don't know if standard leagues. Are, you know, obviously, it's going towards PPR three wide receivers. So we're seeing these wide receivers come up. Though um, I don't know. I could see depending on what my portfolio looks like at the end of the year here. I could see taking a little cook if I don't have enough or early on because wasn't wasn't it Pete just in Vegas a while preaching yeah, he, he, preaching Jonathan Taylor Delvin Cook and then no other backs yes, yes, and uh, so I guess that's the highest praise you're gonna get from you know a Viking a Viking fan, a Viking fan. yeah exactly right. from a Vikings fan we have to qualify that but um yeah yeah I mean I think Cook should be ahead of Harris and I like Eckler more than Cook I think but I could change my mind on that six times here before draft season officially gets going so. Uh, let's continue on with a few of the other news and notes. We had T. Higgins uh, back from a shoulder uh, procedure. Obviously, Joe Burrow is going to be out for most of the preseason. That 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 happened last week, and I said, no, I've, I've had an appendectomy. I know that you're not going to be playing. And no one really commented. And then there was like news this week that Joe Burrow is not going to practice for a while. Like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what happens when you have your appendix removed and you have surgery there. Okay, great. Doesn't really matter. I'm not really worried about. I think Burrow actually could be limited week one. Like I would not be surprised if he doesn't play, but whatever. He will be fine for most of the from the season. appendix. Yes. All right. I, I, I wouldn't. I, I guess I've never shocked. had it happen to me, so I, I, be, I don't know. There's no way you're like moving around and playing an NFL game, even with the amount of resources NFL teams have, and being super effective week one after that surgery. I'm just that's not. They're just gonna stick him an IV and with all it's the not magical, an IV thing. It's with it's, all you'll stay hydrated. All the yeah, whatever. Okay. It's fine. I, Burrow will be fine for most of the season, so will Higgins. So my question to you, Jake, is who is a better value, in your opinion, right now with their current ADPs? Jamar Chase, who is a top five, top six pick, or Higgins, who ends up being around that 20 to 24, mm-hmm. uh, 
24 to 7 range. Yeah, I just, as much as I like Jamar Chase and as much as I got burned by him in fantasy title games last year, it's um, it's very tough for me. I've seen people aggressively take him over Cup and Jefferson. I don't think I would personally do that. He's he's clear number three and of, of that group. And like I said, I've already put my money where my mouth is once with the fifth overall pick. Had a chance to take Jamar Chase, took Derrick Henry instead. So uh, I guess... You know, that that alone should tell you how I feel. I personally love T. Higgins, and I, I think they're both going to be very good, very solid, have very productive years here. I'm not – Burrow is going to – you know, he's got – I don't know what his MVP odds are off the top of my head, but he could be a very nice sleeper bet for that. I think this offense is going to, uh, you know, be, be just high-powered enough to get both of these guys 1,000 yards and possibly double-digit touchdowns here. I have T. Higgins as an $8 keeper in one league, and I love it because right now, I mean – you're paying a third round price for T Higgins, which is, um, which is maybe a little high, but, uh, you know, you look at guys around him, like, uh, you know, AJ Brown, there's quite a bit of uncertainty there. Travis Etienne, you know, with the possible timeshare coming off the injury, we'll see. Uh, According to the uh, training camp buzz that's been going on, he has been obnoxious, like, yeah, not not Etienne, but the it's been the amount of coverage amount of, he's been yes, getting, especially yes, in, you know, among, you know, fantasy football. I guess we're not guilty of this, but the fantasy football community at large right. maybe is a little guilty of this. Um, so, you know, the line for me is like T Higgins or Michael Pittman, because I like both of these players right. a lot, like a lot, a lot. And oh, by the way, in my uh, JT Derrick Henry league, Michael Pittman is also on my team. So, um, you know, I think he's just going to be a target machine. Uh, doesn't have nearly the competition that T. Higgins has. So that becomes an interesting decision uh, for me. And that's one where in one league, I might go one one guy, and then in the next league, I might go the other guy there. But uh, um, I, I'm more excited about taking T. Higgins in the back end of the third round than I am Jamar Chase with the fifth overall pick, if, if that right. makes sense. Right. You had mentioned Joe Burrow's uh, MVP odds. He's at plus 1,200 right now. So, okay. Yeah, good call. Uh, sixth among the QBs. We have that on the site. It's it's perfectly there to see all these sports mm-hmm. betting tools, among other things. So I just thought I'd mention that. If the question is, which is a better value, Jamar Chase at number five or Higgins in the third round, yes, by default, I think Higgins in the third round makes sense. And you and I were both pretty early on in the Higgins hype train, I, you know, we follow suit a lot with Mario and John, uh, who do the yeah. Thursday show, and are we're really pushing the Higgins stuff. And, and, and it was looking so. dicey last yes, year, right? Yes. For the first six mm-hmm. weeks of the season, I mean, his touchdown, his touchdown rate wasn't great, but right. he really, uh, he really picked things up. Great, it was consistent, hey, you know, right? yeah, was and, consistent and was consistent towards. It. And, and as Char- Chase started to take things to a new level, so did Higgins. Higgins. I think just the offense as a whole, and Joe Burrow took everything to a new level, and that. Uh, benefited everyone because even Joe Mixon. I mean, granted, this is the first time in a while he stayed healthy consistently for the, for the entirety mm-hmm. of the season. But pretty much any any Bengals that you had uh, were possibly yeah, league well, winners. Tyler Boyd didn't didn't quite do what you want, but I guess I'd say the 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 value is Higgins over Chase. Mm-hmm. I'm not drafting either of them right now, and I think Chase Chase you could like if he was like a mid second round pick, I'm all for that. But you're passing up a lot of guys that I think have higher. Uh, have higher floors without the risk of the ceiling being that much different. So that's why that's why I can go with Higgins for the value. Sure. I think we've kind of maxed out what T. Higgins can do. Like even if Joe Burrow has an MVP caliber season, I don't see Higgins going much more than twelve hundred yards and eight to ten touchdowns. And that's again depending on if like Jamar Chase is healthy too. So I, I kind of want guys that I think could be even better than where I'm currently drafting them. Maybe there's there's a value to having a safe floor. And again, mm-hmm. I think Higgins is more or less safe. Yeah. But if you said Higgins has a thousand receiving yards and seven touchdowns, you wouldn't be exactly yeah. happy about You're that right. in the third round. And it still seems well, the possible. ultimate floor guy there is Keenan Allen here, whose right. ADP is one spot above T. Higgins. If you're going to be the most conservative drafter possible, you know that's your pick because you're you're buying Justin Herbert, you're buying the Chargers' offense, you're buying a ton of targets, and uh, you know in PPR, Keenan Allen will get more receptions. But you know I think Higgins finds the end zone more, and he finds more big plays. We had a couple of uh, actual relevant injuries to lesser guys. So I guess I'll go, I'll rattle them off to you, Jake. And I want to hear mm-hmm. which one do you think is the most important? So we had Sky Moore injuring his hip yesterday. There was the clip out. It was a one V one route uh, and kind of broke to the right and just fell down collapsed after the play. There isn't a lot of information out that, but Sky Moore has been pretty good in the limited time that he's been available during OTAs and minicamp. He did have a, a separate hamstring injury with that too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then there's Van Jefferson, who's going to be out for, at least the entire preseason had a knee procedure. There's possibility that they misses week one and longer for the Rams. That's important because Odell Beckham Jr. is 
not with the Rams right now and also would be mm-hmm. dealing with a knee injury problem too after tearing his ACL during the Super Bowl. And then you have Tim Patrick, who today was carted off uh, in what appeared to be a serious injury. The whole team gathered around him after a catch. He was looking really well in terms of a deep threat for Russell Wilson. Now we have KJ Hamler as a guy that kind of fills in seamlessly in that spot. So of those three injuries, which one do you find most valuable, Jake, from a fantasy perspective? Yeah, the most impactful, I guess I would say, Mm -hmm. from a fantasy Mm -hmm. perspective is honestly Tim Patrick. Because here was a guy that I was looking at uh, taking late, you know, necessarily, because he's always he's always been consistent. He's somebody that we mention somewhere between week six and eight every year when one of the Broncos receivers has gotten hurt as somebody who just manages to continue producing and give your lineup a certain floor every week. So, you know, why not take a guy like that? In, in one of the later rounds of your draft for essentially nothing, you know, you're paying, so, you know, the a waiver wire piece anyway here. Um, I don't know what to feel about KJ Hamler as a direct result. I'm just going to assume the Patrick injury is kind of serious for now. I would too, yeah. H- Hamler, I guess Hamler takes his place as a late round flyer, but he's also a guy you cut after week one or two if he's not getting the targets here. Yeah. I think if anything, it just helps the Sutton Judy combo here and uh, makes me feel a little bit better about uh, where their ADP is at than I did a couple weeks ago. But, of course, now they're, we'll see how much their ADP adjusts accordingly, but I would feel better taking them at value. Yeah, it's interesting. Mario had been mentioning KJ Hamler when he's been doing these underdog features as a uh, last pick, 18th round pick, best ball. I think he will skyrocket if Tim mm-hmm. Patrick is out uh, in, in, in best ball formats. And there's so many Well, best ball is perfect for well, him because he's oh, a big play guy. Yeah, I was going to say the... the this guy is great in best ball. It's such a cop-out answer, and I, you know mm-hmm. we are in the fantasy industry. I'm doing it right now, though. I think he is a perfect fit for a best ball situation because there are the upside games where if you have a two-catch, 100-yard day, he is in your starting lineup, but you have to guess that correctly in redraft, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it a little bit more difficult. So in redraft formats, yeah, I think K.J. Hamler, provided Tim Patrick's out for an extended period of time, becomes a 13th, 14th, 15th round guy where you could cut him after – uh, you know, two or three mm-hmm. bad weeks. But in best ball is a situation where I'll be more aggressively targeting him. And I will take him over a lot of those uh, later round depth running backs that you're just hoping yeah. things work out right. I get that mm-hmm. guaranteed pop-off game for Hamler, yeah. which by all counts will occur if Tim Patrick is not playing mm-hmm. uh, much for the Broncos this season. Exactly. So, I mean, you say Russell throws the ball 30, 35 times a game. Sutton and Judy are definitely getting double digits there. You throw four to six to Albert O., you throw a couple to the backs here, and then you know you're only left with Tim Patrick. Even was in this similar situation where he was at a, like a max eight, seven or eight targets. But I look at Hamler, you know, four or five targets, and those four or five targets could be one catch for 17 yards, a lot of weeks, or they could be you know three catches for 120 yards and a score. And 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 you nailed it on the head with that analysis there. Uh, um, I would have I would have been more. I'd have been more excited about Patrick's consistency than Hamler's, uh, you know, boomer bust there a little bit here. Uh, I, and just to touch on the other ones real quick, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't a huge Sky Moore guy necessarily. I, I just, I don't think there's quite enough, uh, 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 you know, the rookie stuff. He reminds me a little bit of Miko Hardman, who of course is uh, <laughs> is still around here, who had a ton of hype his rookie year and then kind of totally busted. Sky Moore is a guy that I'll probably wait till next year or the year after to uh, see how that roster shakes out and see, um, you know, if he can be the deep guy. But I'm not discounting MVS, Marquez Velas-Scanling. I mean, I think Rodgers gave him like 40 deep ball targets over the last Mm -hmm. couple of years. He's going to eat a bunch of those from Mahomes. He's going to try to be the Tyreek Hill type of guy. And I think, you know, Sky Moore sitting here at 5'10", 195, um, you know, they're hoping that he can be that little speedster that takes the top off the defense. But I think MVS will, it will have that role taken. They all know, kind of cannibalize each other, MVS, Hardman, and more. I'm not sure there's one that separates. Yep. Again, if you're you're rostering a Chiefs wide receiver, I think it's Juju Smith-Schuster as the guy that is the most impactful target. And we don't know what mm-hmm. that is going to really look like because this is his first year with the Chiefs, but it's Travis Kelsey and Schuster. And then after mm-hmm. that, you're having to put together some weird Chiefs stacks for me to be able to roster him. Yeah. There is one of the news item that we should talk about today and it's Irv Smith had surgery on his thumb. He's still expected to be ready for week one. Now Irv Smith last year was a popular sleeper tight end candidate. Obviously had the the knee injury was out for the entire season. Tyler Conklin, or I think he was out for some of the season. Tyler Conklin kind of emerged as this. Conklin guy. got mess- mentioned like four times right. on our way to the show, and then and then never did a whole lot of anything. It's perfect. Yes, uh, Conklin's no longer with uh, the Vikings over in the Jets. You know, if Irv Smith is back week one, I'm not terribly worried. He was going in that tight end 12 through 18 range, which I've said on a number of occasions is kind of a, this a quagmire of guys that 
oh yeah, I might like, but I have to have X situation work out for them. You all have your personal favorites, people listening to the podcast, watching on the, the YouTube show. You all have one of those tight ends that you like more than the other. Aquegbenu Alberto is the guy that mm -hmm. I like quite a bit, and I think you do too. Irv Smith was in that category for me, uh, and so was David Njoku. I think probably now a little bit more so with the Deshaun Watson mm -hmm. news possibly settling. <laughs> it's where, where do you where are your I'll admit Irv Smith? I'll admit that I'm doing my first tight end two deep dive like right now at this very moment here i haven't kind of thought about it but you know his adp was sitting at 13 over the last few days obviously that's going to fall off now because no one likes to see an injury this early but i would have taken noah fant or, or alberto uh you know ahead of Irv smith in any way the way it was i, I believe so uh it doesn't really change much for me okay yeah i i think i will still confidently draft Irv smith if he's falling but there is some injury concerns i think over the last two years and the the thought was Wow, they have Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and nobody else. And they they use their tight ends quite a bit, so that's where Irv Smith's value was. But I would rather take Cole Komet, who I think is probably going a little bit later at this point, uh, and does a similar thing in an offense that I think Ooh, I mean, Komet's number 11 in ADP. Now, I'm looking at just the last three Komet days here. So, um, But, I mean, I don't know. In my opinion, if you get past Zach Ertz here, you're taking a crapshoot. Ertz is the last tight end on the board with some kind of semblance of a floor. And then after that, you're just, you know, hoping for the best. Uh, that's that's fair. All right. Before we dive into a bit of our auction tips and tricks, let's get a word from our sponsors, Blue Wire. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor is the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. Pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, so we're back. And I know we've been teasing this a little bit about what we're going to talk about, especially when we're doing these shows and 
We don't have the regular season talk about waiver wire pickups. You and I, Jake, have always tried to focus on ways that we can help a newer audience member from a fantasy sports perspective. I will always recommend auction league formats as the way to go. But maybe if you're a newer person, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of concern that comes with it. Uh, you have to budget things a little bit better. Yeah, It's, it's always it's a, it's a tough sell for your league, right? right. So, you know, people that are just, you know, kind of fringe fantasy football people are, they're, they're afraid to do it because it requires a little bit more preparation. You have to have an auction value list with some general, uh, you know, values, some rough values for your team. I always say, uh, you know, with auction, you know, I think I've used this line every year on this show, but it's like pirates code, right? They're, they're not rules. They're more like guidelines, right? Yes. And uh, because you have to adjust every auction and you have to, um, you know, you have to be able to uh, change things up on the fly here. So, uh, you know, that's a very important part of auctions. But what I will say is while, while people are afraid to do them because of the extra level of prep and they're afraid that, oh, I, you know, they start to admit that, hey, you know, I got lucky with my snake draft the last year or the year before. You can't really luck into an auction. If you do right. have a good auction, it's because, you know, you planned, prepared, and executed well here. So while there's going to be apprehension from your league mates, every league I've been in that has switched over to it absolutely loves it is never going back to a snake and is convincing all of their other leagues that they're in and participating in the, Hey guys, we really got to get on this auction train. This is the way to go here. So I've got one last hometown league to try to convince, you know, and outside of some of the fun snakes that we do, I mean, the best balls and the snakes that we do in like July uh, auction has been the way to go. It's the, it's the veganism of fantasy sports. You're, you're, if you're a vegan, you tell everyone you are a vegan. Much or like the CrossFit, right? Yeah, yeah that, that's. I mean, they're <laughs> all the same. Do you do CrossFit, bro? Do you do auctions, bro? Like it's, it's <laughs> the same deal. That's a good point. All right, so auction formats, obviously, the way that both you and I would recommend. There is more strategy involved and more preparation. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. everyone. That that's the truth. Uh, and I think to be successful in this type of format, you have to go the extra mile. Now, people playing it generally are excited to do that. So it's it's not that mm-hmm. much of a stretch. But what we are outlining right now, I, I understand for a newer person, might seem like a lot of work. It is. That's the point of the auction leagues. Mm-hmm. And at least if you want to be successful, that's the point. Now, there is a lot of general tips and tricks that you can be successful with. I think many broadcasts have mentioned this before along the same lines. I don't, I don't feel like the strategy is significantly different. There are different points of emphasis that I want to have yeah. off of those. And I think that's where the, the key differences mm-hmm. for us will lie yeah. compared to other Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do want to start by saying, you know, okay, you need you need some kind of list, some kind of guideline to start with, you know. And the best, uh, I mean, if you're in a basic standard league, you can probably Google and find a list just about anywhere. If you're in a league that's a little bit um, – uh, more complex, you might want to consider about, you know, paying up for a subscription service like, hey, maybe Rotowire or something along those lines to uh, take your custom leagues into account. And, uh, you know, this is, this will be my one plug for the, for the Rotowire tools because it's really helpful for auctions, especially the draft software. What we allow you to do is to change player projections to your liking. If you think one guy's going to get 12 touchdowns instead of eight, if you think they're going to get 300 more yards and we haven't projected to, it will change that projection. It will take your change into account and then it will spit out the adjusted auction value here based on, uh, you know, what you're changing in projection is. So if you're really, you know, the biggest thing, like for our stake league baseball, for example, I'm always, uh, you know, looking for maybe some outliers in the road wire projections and editing my own projections and all kinds of things. But, uh, and again, by doing projections like that, it's making you think about these players a little bit more, but in any case, way, shape or form, you definitely need to go into the auction with some kind of a draft list, you know, some kind of general thing. Again, I mentioned it's only guidelines. You're going to have to be ready on the fly and we'll help you adjust and we'll help you talk you through that, at least hopefully with some few points in this episode. But uh, you have to have a starting point. Yeah, I think that's that's a huge key. And again, whether it's our, our software or others, Rotoware podcast, we love for you to be able to use that. I think the biggest the biggest like first initial thing that you need to have when looking at auction league is mm-hmm. understanding what that platform's uh, money situation is going to look like. So whether it's ESPN, Yahoo, whoever else, whatever you're looking at, that's more than likely what your other league mates are also going to be going off of too. Now, they probably mm-hmm. won't be operating off those exact values, but the order list, it's same like redraft. will always tell you if you're doing a redraft league, be mm-hmm. aware of what the ADP is because people will be drafting off of that. The auction value is pretty similar too. So if you have an idea of what price you want to pay based off our software, other softwares, that's mm-hmm. great. So long as you're aware of what other people might be doing, which could be the software that you're using. So again, ESPN, Yahoo, whatever else, whatever your auction draft platform of choice is, 
be aware of that extra stuff, right? That's that's fair. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's just like uh, you know anything else that we're doing, and especially be aware of you know if you expect other people in your league to be using those draft room standard values, mm-hmm. that's where the biggest edge of you know buying a custom dollar generator for a different format comes, and you can start to find guys that. Um, are going to be different, you know, even just PPR versus non PPR, depending on what that standard list is, that can make a huge amount of difference in someone, you know, you know, when I, when I talk about Keenan Allen's 27 ADP, his, his right. val- auction value could be a legitimate $8 difference, you know, in between standard and PPR or something like that. So, uh, you know, and, and there are some running backs as you get down the list, you know, James White was always the classic example that was like a dollar or two in standard, but, uh, you know, up to double digits some years in PPR, probably not this year, but, um, no, you know, we always say to people doing fantasy football in general, knowing your scoring system is the most important rules. Yeah, yeah. And that definitely plays into account with the auction values. If everyone else, you know, there's so much information out there that this isn't likely to be the case, but if everyone else is using the draft room and you're using a custom set, you automatically come in with that much of an edge. That being said, you have to be ready to adapt to that custom set here because the flow of an auction room is something that you need to read. You need to literally, quite literally, read the room and yes. uh, and and see what's going on here because, you know, there'll be a lot of times in a lot of leagues, I think the biggest example that I come up with here is, uh, you know, guys like at the very top of the list, Jonathan Taylor, Mino McCaffrey, Eckler, Cup, Jefferson, that, that's the case this year. You're going to see, usually you see a guy like Jonathan Taylor nominated first, right? And, and everyone bids on him. And you might have, you know, your top, uh, your whole top list uh, could very well end up being something like, I don't know, let's just say 45, 44, 42 here. Actually, let's uh, let's call it up and use uh, some rough rotowire auction values. You know, 61 for Taylor. We got 52 for McCaffrey. 52 for, I think I must, I, I must have just called up a non-PPR, 52 for Henry. Um, and um, so we're looking at these guys. But what will happen in some leagues, in some situations, depending on, you know, what information these guys are using, suddenly Jonathan Taylor might go off the board at $75. And then Christian McCaffrey might go off the board at $65. And you're thinking to yourself, whoa, 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 all these guys are overpaying. Um, but what you don't want to happen to you is – to have all the money left over for a bunch of mediocre players. So you want to make sure you get in on that action and be willing to adjust your strategy. You know, you can't say because I have this guy, because I have Austin Eckler projected for $48 and 19 cents. Once it hits 49, I'm out on the bidding because if you see a bunch of other guys go $15 over, and you only have to go four or five dollars over. Chances are that's going to be a good buy because everybody else is going to be hurt in a similar sense as they get towards the end of the auction. Okay, and you bring up two key points that I think are worth addressing right now. So one is when you are doing an auction draft. Again, you've looked over the draft software beforehand. You have your rankings and your projections aside. Mm-hmm. The other part of this component is having a budget set for what position you want. So let's just say it's a two hundred dollar budget, and you have to fill out your league. One quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, tight end, flex, right? A basic league off a $200 budget. You will want to assign how much you want to pay for this spot. And I, I will never, ever recommend being rigid in mm-hmm. your fantasy draft, whether it's redraft or auction. But I think in an auction format, if you really want to avoid putting yourself at a bad spot, sticking to that as best you can is important. Mm-hmm. Now, there are going to be times and values that you're going to adjust. We'll, we'll get to that as we're discussing this. But having a budget is really important. So if you've decided, hey, I'm going to spend $60 on my running back one, that means I'm going to get Jonathan Taylor or CMC mm-hmm. uh, or something like that. Great. But then where is that uh, deficit coming out of? Is it tight end? Are you going to be cheaper with the Albert O's of the world? Or are you going to go cheaper at quarterback? Do you yep. only have a wide receiver two and three? They're going to be like $10. This is something that you have to have answered yeah. beforehand. Well, the great thing about an auction is, you know, that's one of the big advantages here in a snake draft. Guess what? If you don't draw the number one pick, you're not getting Jonathan yes. Taylor. But in an auction draft, hey, guess what? You could... Buy Jonathan Taylor for $65. Then you could go ahead. And I should say in general, when I throw out these numbers, I'm using a $200 budget, which I think is the most common here. But uh, anyway, back to, back to my thing. You could grab Jonathan Taylor for 65 then go ahead and grab Cooper Cup for 55 And then guess what? You know, you have two players using a large portion of your budget. So you need to realize that, you know, the next receiver that comes up, I probably shouldn't spend another $40 on. Or when quarterbacks come up, maybe I shouldn't spend more than $5 combined on my two quarterbacks or my two tight ends because eventually you'll run out of money and you don't want to be that guy who's drafted three players and you're down to dollar days, right, where you only have $1 a player left to fill out the roster here. Now, there are certain situations 
where a stars and scrubs strategy like that is advantageous. You could be like, Hey, I came away with this auction with three first round picks. I'll figure the rest of my roster out as the season goes along. That's a strategy that I, you know, I definitely probably wouldn't recommend for beginners, but that's definitely a valid strategy here, especially, especially in my opinion, if you end up at, you know, it's not about keeper leagues this week, but if you end up with a keeper league where you get a couple values, then I'm fine, you know, blowing the rest of your right. budget yeah. on four picks. Cause then before you know it, you've got five, six, picks in the top two rounds on your roster screw your bench you can worry about that on the waiver can, wire yeah, that's what we're for that. that's what joe and i are here for uh in season here so i mean stars and scrubs is a very uh valid strategy you definitely have to be willing to go over the general consensus on some of these uh um you know, some of these players but i think for the most part um people want to go to a balanced approach but i do want to say that with a balanced approach a balanced approach. I mean, balanced among your starting lineup. Yeah. I think you want to have at least 80%, if not more of uh, your roster of your budget into your starting lineup, as opposed to your bench, because if every single player on your team costs you between 10 and $15 and you have the most perfectly balanced team, guess what? You're going to have some real tough roster decisions each week, and you're going to have a roster full of six, seventh, eighth round picks with no Supreme talent here. So balance to some degree here among your starting lineup, if you can. Um, but again, not going too balanced. I'm glad you mentioned that. We actually, um, oh, I, I talked to uh, the two time stake league winner. And I, I, for people familiar with the podcast, at RotoWare, we're all familiar with the Stake League, but for those of you who are just jumping in for the first time, uh, the Stake League competition, which is 28 people across two different leagues, so 14 team leagues, is the premier RotoWare HQ league uh, that we all care about the most. There is some financial incentive, whether you win or lose the league, great. But the most important part is the winner, or I guess the top half, the top 14, get an entire stake league meal paid for by the bottom half of the league. So this ends up being a $200, $300 investment on top of the additional prizes being paid out. That's why this is important. That draft will take place August 23rd for both of those leagues. And I'm sure there will be a podcast or two, possibly ours, that outlines the results. But I bring this up because that's the premier auction format. I took some hints and tips and tricks from the two-time RotoWire Stake League winner. Jake, I'm sure you want to hear them, but before we do that, I want to get a word from our sponsors, Fantasy Football for Dummies. So do you love fantasy football that struggle to get, to get your friends or loved ones interested? Well, you're in luck. Just don't have them do auction leagues yet. Fantasy Football for Dummies is the book for you. It takes anyone by the hand and walks them through everything you need to know about playing fantasy football, from the basics of drafting to more advanced concepts and strategies for weekly play and the playoffs. There's even a new section devoted to daily fantasy sports and how to win real cash prizes. With this book, your friends and loved ones will get up to speed on your favorite game and be able to hold their own in any fantasy football league. They'll have all the information at their fingertips to make informed decisions on how to have a successful draft, who to start, and who to bench each week. And finally, they can experience the thrill of victory and hopefully avoid the agony of defeat against their competition. Who knows? They might even get good enough to beat you as well. Share the love and purchase your copy of Fantasy Football for Dummies today. Okay, so I had mentioned a few of the tips and tricks from our two-time uh, Stake League winner, Harry Thompson, one of the smartest guys that I know. I'm, I'm going to say that here because I know he Jeez. won't listen to this or if, hear If it. he was, we should have just brought him in here. He's right across the wall. Yeah, he, he can't hear <laughs> He can probably hear us talking about I'll, him. I'll never yeah. compliment him again, so it's fine. But yeah, one of the smarter guys I know. And, well, that, that That's like the office, Pam. I, she, I know. He, he, I never say it to why? her face, but she's a wonderful person and amazing artist. Why wouldn't you say that? Yes, yeah. I, it's one of my favorite quotes. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, he knows a lot about fantasy sports and has been very successful in the stake league format so a few of the things that he was saying in particular when it comes to the budget i have been asking well okay if you have a budget and you're setting it that means you can't like certain guys right like you have to be more flexible to budget mm -hmm. you saying no that's not the case there are probably one or two guys each goes to saying i will get that person there has to be a price point of course he's going to go get that mm -hmm. person and be flexible but he will adjust everything afterwards off that so i thought mm -hmm. that was interesting that you have to have a budget going in, which I agree with, but you can still like guys coming out of it. And I think the other part, which you could probably talk to more, Jake, is being reactive to how the uh, bids are going. Don't get caught up in bidding wars too often. And you don't have to be the person that price enforces. I love doing that. That's like one of my favorite parts <laughs> of the auction drafts. But Harry That's a whole other thing about price enforcing. <laughs> Harry was recommending you don't always have to do that. Somebody else can have the value of Travis Kelsey mm -hmm. at $28. 
where you can avoid having messed up your entire budget by taking for 32. So yeah, see, that's, I mean, that's an area where, where I'm willing to be flexible here because I do like price enforcing and you have to have uh, a certain degree of uh, a degree of guts. Let's just say uh, a word that rhymes with guts to be able to, um, to be able to price enforce. I don't know what the YouTube rules are, what I can say. Anyway, I should probably figure that out. Anyway, uh, price enforcing, interesting concept, right? Uh, somebody that maybe wasn't on your draft radar or somebody, um, is about to go for a lot cheaper than what you had projected here. Maybe you didn't necessarily like him. Maybe it's, I think a good example this year is Juju Smith-Schuster because he's pretty, he's pretty polarizing here. So, um, you know, let's just take a look at, uh, you know, what the Rotowire value had for Smith-Schuster. You know, we've got him around $20. Okay. 18 to $20 here, depending on on, on what you're looking at here. And um, let's say you don't love Juju Smith-Schuster, but the clock's ticking and he's about to go off for $12. Do you hit that bid button and price enforce to make sure that someone's not getting that much of a steal? Um, and I'll, it's tricky. I'll, I'll you have it. to be willing. You have to be willing to eat that bid if it ends up on you. But um, but usually I'll price enforce a little bit, you know, if possible. So I had been asking that same question because the, this is the strategy element that makes auction leagues so fun. When you are doing your budget, you should also be having tiers in which he does. And this is similar to redraft. Like we do tiers all the time. We talked about that last week as well, too. When, before you do your redraft, make sure you have tiers set. Well, you can have tiers set for these different price ranges as well. So mm-hmm. if Juju Smith-Schuster falls into your 10 to $15 range, well, great. That value is perfect. But if he's not, don't price enforce. That's, <laughs> that's what Harry was saying. I'm not positive I'm going that direction all the time because, again, price enforcing is fun. I like to hear yeah. the grumblings of my other <laughs> colleagues and employees out there. But that that is something that you have to keep in mind. And I'll I'm just, gonna price enforce the crap out of Harry this year. It's Cole Komet. <laughs> this guy is Cole Komet. I'm gonna release that to everyone right now. Um Okay. The, but the other part of this too was the nomination strategy. And I think that's what makes auction leagues fun for me is I mm-hmm. I have a certain way that I was gonna go ahead and nominate people. And I asked Harry again, two time winner of the stake leagues, how are you doing? He's like, I'm just throwing out the most expensive players. And I was like, oh no, this is this is not as fun. What are you talking <laughs> yeah, I about? I wanted something. I want to throw out the Cole Commits or like uh, if I'm yeah. playing with lists, I'm gonna throw out Daniel Johnson and, and uh Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley because mm-hmm. his Giants bias rules over everything else. No, that, that's not actually the play you should make. And there is reason for that. The idea is to get as much money out from everyone else as possible. Yeah, no duh, Joe. But the reason for it is because you are now operating off your budget. You can then see the money that's off the table mm-hmm. and be accordingly priced for things. So, sure, you know it would be great to have the Jonathan Taylor or CMC for maybe five or ten dollars less. A that never seems to happen, right? Yeah. Like it's, I mean, it, you it, never really look at those values. Yeah. But B, you can also have that money off the table to then go get the guys for a cheaper price that you might actually want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're kind of a transition point in every auction for me, right? There's a point at Perfect. the beginning yep. where I'm trying to nominate. Uh, like if I go in, you know, okay, so my personal thought is, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor, I'll buy him at the right price, you know, whatever. I don't have to have him. I'll let him go if I need to. But one of the first players I might nominate is Christian McCaffrey because I know that I would have to get a crazy, wild, steep discount to even really consider him with his injury history. I don't trust him. I don't trust whoever's going to play quarterback for that offense. There's a lot I don't trust about that. I'm going to probably be very limited in my exposure to him. So because I don't like him, I will throw him out there. I will make somebody else spend $50, $60 on him. And that is one less person in my eyes that's competing for a running back in that top tier. That's one less person I have to compete against for Eckler or Henry or Cook or Mixon, guys that I really, really want. So uh, so, so that makes things interesting. And that comes the overall strategy here. Do you nominate um, guys you want or guys you don't want? And uh, early on in the draft, I'll nominate some of the big guys, especially if they're guys that I, I'm not super high on. I'll also like to nominate hype guys, especially knowing other people that are in our league. So That's ETN is a perfect nom, you know, at some point um, because he is uh, he, he's just a hype guy that people like and that he's going to come back. I'm not so sure it has to be the right price for me. So, you know. I still might bid, but more than likely, I'm going to leave it to somebody else who's going to make a whole lot more here. And um, I don't know, just being in Wisconsin, for example, A.J. Dillon. Oh, that's the Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. See, A.J. Dillon is a big hype guy. You know, Aaron Jones is different because he's he's actually produced and been an absolute fantasy stud. Um, you know, A.J. Dillon has, you know, had some very great games towards the end of last year, but people are expecting a big, big, big leap from him. So I'm going to have people dump out a bunch of money on that leap, especially in a Wisconsin league. And you can kind of play that along. But, you know, you, you, you get all these people's money out. You nominate the big guys, you nominate the hype guys you're not interested in. But there comes a point towards the end of the draft especially when you get to dollar days and people only have a dollar left, then of course you have to start nominating 
the sleepers that right. you like the best because you want to be able to you you want to get them and and hope no one else snipes them from you. Yeah, I think that would be the one bit of advice that I would just add. Doing these auction leagues is great, but doing them with your friends and family and people you know makes it better because you could go ahead and target Harry's Cole Komet or. Again, we are drafting here in Madison, Wisconsin. There's going to be a lot mm-hmm. of Packers fans. I will put an Aaron Jones out there. Jonathan yeah. Taylor probably gets the UW-Madison tax as well exactly. added to it. And if you are able to be diligent and responsible and not dive into those things, great, because you're able to take advantage of somebody who might think you are going to. Again, I'm a Packers fan through and through, but mm-hmm. you will not catch me going super aggressive on Aaron Jones when I believe he's going higher price. And the same thing goes for a lot of different things. So mm-hmm. being mindful of those prices, those flex points as well, I think is a key part. And again, I'll stress from, from the two-time winner himself, having that budget and being stringent with that budget to a point is going to be one of those successful things you can do to be proactive in a auction draft situation. Now, Harry always likes to have depth at the end, having dollars for 10 to $15 players for the flexes and super flex. Mm-hmm. That strategy isn't always a league winner. You talked about stars and scrubs. I, I see that specifically in DFS basketball, but auction basketball, I think, happens a lot too. That can work provided there's people that are healthy and play the entire season. You have to guess that correctly, but yeah. it works in both ways too. For me, the split comes between a 12 and a 14 team league. In a 12 team league, I don't mind having five or six dollar days, guys. You know, mm-hmm. having my bench mostly filled up with one dollar players. The waiver wires a little bit shallower. If you're if you're on top of that, you can get some guys that'll fill it up. Because remember, you know, a lot of leagues you have your waiver system or a hundred dollar fab budget that you can use entirely separate from your auction. Those two terms not related at all. But once right. we get into our stake league, where it's a 14 team league, I like to have you know some three to five dollar bench guys that are maybe a little bit more stable because the dollar days guys get a lot uglier and the waiver wire is a lot shallower uh, once you get to 14 teams or deeper than that in a 10 team league i would spend almost my entire i would try to get studs for my starting lineup and then go with one dollar guys off the bench because you can easily rotate through productive guys in a shallow 10 team league so it depends a little bit on where you're going here and uh the one thing before we get to inflation the one other thing i wanted to touch on is being the last of a tier. Mm. And that's where the, you, you mentioned avoiding bidding wars, but where bidding wars happen the most in auctions is when the last player in a tier is about to go off the board. So let me just, let's let's give an example here. Let's say we're talking about running backs here in 2022. Jonathan Taylor goes, McCaffrey, Henry, Eckler, Cook, Mixon, and let's say, uh, yeah, and say Eckler, Cook, and Mixon go. Now you're looking at um, Najee Harris and maybe Nick Chubb, and that's where I define the cutoff of the tier, me personally, where, you know, after Najee Harris, after Nick Chubb, you go into Kamara with the suspension situation, and then it crosses down to a line of guys you just maybe don't get quite as excited about, Um, you know, Fournette, Javante Williams, James Conner, Antonio Gibson, Aaron Jones, Montgomery. You know, there's a clear breakoff between that group that I said and, you know, Eckler, Cook, Mixon, Harris, Chubb. So you have to start be thinking about where the draft is at in terms of running backs. And if Chubb is the last guy that goes, before you know it, Chubb's going to end up going for as much as Derrick Henry because someone's everyone, there's going to be three or four managers that realize, I don't have my RB1 right. yet. Right. I better dang well get him, you know, because I don't want to be stuck with a bunch of middle-of-the-road guys that have risk attack. I don't have my guy. So you need to anticipate a couple steps ahead of time, maybe get in a little heavier on Mixon, or Harris, um, instead of, again, ending up overpaying for Chubb because everyone has realized that they're the last of a tier here. So, um, And I guess related to that a little bit, I don't think it'll happen this year with Jonathan Taylor, but if someone throws out maybe Eckler or Cook first, in a lot of different auction formats, I really like going after the, um, I, going after the very first player nominated because there's no real... There's no price enforcement or pricing set pricing that has necessarily happened yet mm-hmm. in, the, in that type of format. And a lot of times what I notice is you get a value on the very, very first pick as you start to realize what this top tier is going to cost because it simply hasn't been uh, established yet. So um, it, it's a very, very interesting thing because, I, you know, I find a lot of times, and again, to use this year's example, say Jonathan Taylor does go for, for $58 and then a couple picks later, you know, we hit some of the receivers off the board. I wouldn't be shocked if like someone like McCaffrey went for 55 or 56. I think there's eight to ten dollars between those players, but it'll be narrower as the pricing gets set. So don't be afraid because I think a lot of people come in, you know, thinking they're going to have a, this plan, grand plan to save their money. Right. Um, right. Yes. But don't be afraid to go after that first pick, too. And, and like I said, don't be afraid to go after the first pick. And the other commandment was don't wait till the very end of the tier. Try to anticipate that and get ahead of yourself a little bit. 
let's table the inflation conversation for next week. We are going to be doing a little bit more keeper dynasty conversation. I think the inflation can kind of fit in well with that, as well as the leagues that you've been in, Jake, and mm-hmm. mind, I'm hitting different things over here. Because uh, I think this is a good overall start for the auction strategy. Now, again, we'll be doing the Rotowire Stake League August 23rd. That is a Tuesday. I'm not positive if our schedules will work out, Jake, enough to do that podcast before or after. But we'll have those results and go over the thoughts and ideas that we've had as you're gearing up for that. If you are interested in auction leagues, certainly feel free to reach out to myself at JB Fantasy Sports on Twitter or uh, Jake at Roto Jake. Otherwise, stick around for more podcasts. The rest of the week is going to be lined up a lot of excellent news uh, and analysis of training camps, injuries, things like that. But again, next week, we'll do more of the Dynasty Keeper conversation and touch on the inflation stuff that Jake is talking about. So thanks, everyone, listening. This is Word of Wire, brought to you by Dynasty. We're signing off. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.